New York City is a frenetic, fast-paced, and noisy place. But thankfully, there are plenty of areas to find solace in the concrete jungle, including at the New York Botanical Garden. The 250-acre site in the Bronx is celebrating its 125th anniversary this year. The site offers an endless array of trees, plants, and flowers. Hi, I'm George Bonarchy, and this is Cityscape. Larry Letterman is a photographer and member of the New York Botanical Garden's Board of Advisors. He has been observing and photographing the garden for quite some time now. Some of his newer work is currently featured in an exhibit in the garden's Ross Gallery, as well as in a book you'll find online and in the garden's gift shop. I recently caught up with Larry to talk about his work. My name is Larry Letterman, and I'm a retired lawyer. I was a Wall Street lawyer. I ran the uh, corporate department, global corporate department, at Milbank Tweed. Uh, I'm still of counsel there. I still teach law. I teach at New York Law School, and I am a photographer. When did you start doing photography? I started about 14 years ago. Uh, I was still practicing full-time, and I was on the garden's board at the time, and uh, I'm self-taught. I just woke up one morning, and I just was crazy about the trees. And I said, you know, I'm going to start taking pictures of the trees. And uh, I had a pass since I was a board member. I could get here very early in the morning. I would show my pass at the door, and then I would go walk around, you know. And after a while, people noticed me. <laughs> and uh, then they got curious about what I was doing. And the next thing I know, we started doing calendars, and it went from there. When did you first discover the New York Botanical Garden? I'm a native New Yorker. I've known about the garden forever. It's tough when you grew up in Brooklyn to get to the Bronx, but I went to Stuyvesant High School, so at least I had a sense that, you know, there is some borough outside of Brooklyn and that Manhattan is only a centerpiece and there is the Bronx. Of course you get there. You go to Yankee Stadium, and uh, the garden is one of the great institutions. So to me as an adult, to wind up being on the board of the garden was really an achievement, a personal achievement, because I was a poor boy who had grown up in Brooklyn. For you, what would you say is the greatest allure of this garden? The garden itself. Now, I just love the idea that the garden is such a great scientific institution. I mean, I actually did in some way promote the idea that they should be doing molecular biology. I think it was wonderful. Uh, I spoke to Lewis Coleman at the time. He made the donations. I just thought this was going to create a centerpiece for the garden and make it a world-class institution, which it was, but keep it on the forefront. Uh, but and, and the library is wonderful. It's just a genius place. But the garden itself, for me personally, is a place of refuge. I just love it, and I spend lots of time here, and it's a show place. I'm a gardener, but for me also, it's a place where I can walk in the native forest and I can see ancient light. You mentioned the research that goes on here. Now, a lot of people are unfamiliar with what goes on behind the scenes when it comes to that research. They come here to look at the flowers. Well, the research is a very important part of the garden. Uh, The garden... Uh, has, as part of its scope, all of North America and all of South America. 
and the garden does research in the Amazon. It looks for new plants, it categorizes them, and it finds, if it can, drugs from these plants. For example, in South America, the plants do not experience, in most places don't experience winter in the Amazon. So those plants have chemical ways of dealing with predators, which creates the opportunity to find drugs. And they have spent, uh, they have research facilities in South America, in the Amazon. Uh, I went down on a trip with them uh, to Manaus and into the jungle. So uh, it's a very important part, but also the way of classifying plants now has totally changed because they now know the genome and you can know what's related to what in ways that you could never know before just by looking from a, uh, from just from your eye. The garden is now celebrating its 125th anniversary. What fascinates you most about its history? Well, I think that it's the confluence of uh, New Yorkers getting together and deciding that they needed a sylvan place, which is a great thing because it's really part of a 19, end of the 19th, 20th century concept that the city was more than just a place where people sort of huddled together. They needed something where they could extend themselves and they could connect to nature. So we have the great museums at the same time, and we have the New York Botanical Garden, which is now world-class and one of the premier gardens in the world. So uh, it's, and New York has also had that kind of feeling that they were the center of the universe and they should have the best. Calvert Vox, one of the creators of Central Park, also partly responsible for this garden. Yes. And um, my sense of beauty, actually, in New York comes from those great streets, Eastern Parkway, you know, uh, just from Brooklyn, just the sense, and the, and the uh, Grand Army Plaza in Brooklyn. And this is all attributable to the people who, who made Central Park and just the grid in Manhattan and Central Park and the garden. These plans that they had are brilliant and they have endured because they are, they create enormous access and a sense of beauty. This new book that you are a large part of takes a look at the garden's history. How would you say the garden has changed most in its 125-year history? I think it started out to display plants, and it's now become a university, in effect. It's become a scientific institution, and it's become a place where promoting the best in ecology. It's become much more than just a garden. It is, in fact, on the forefront of the ecological movement. So it's a place that we can be proud of and that we can learn from. I was teaching a class at NYU Law School two weeks ago, and one of the students there had seen the book, and she said to me, you know, uh, I used to have a, I had a plot uh, in the edible garden where she grew flowers, okay, or grew, grew vegetables. And she said, she opened the book and said, that was my spot. So, I mean, the garden has roots all over. And uh, it, in fact, has changed New York. So now we are in an exhibit here at a gallery that features many of your amazing photographs of this garden. Well, uh, th- this is a, it's a pleasure to go through the, uh, the Ross Gallery, which is a wonderful gallery. And there is 
uh, an auditorium here because the uh, garden is a teaching institution. Uh, there are outdoor classes, there are indoor classes, there are lectures. It's sort of a great place. And the nice thing about this as a, uh, an artist is if you have an exhibition here, there's an enormous amount of traffic. <laughs> you don't have to wait for people to come uh, to, to your the gallery as a destination. They have to walk through to get to the auditorium. So uh, on any given day, there are lines and people are stopped and they're waiting to go in and they look around. So uh, in a way, the democracy of the garden, uh, I get the benefit of it. <laughs> I get the benefit of an audience. Uh, you want to discuss uh, the photographs? Yeah, this photograph here is on the cover of the book. Yes, and um, all these photographs, by the way, are uh, 40 by 60, so for your uh, listeners, uh, these are very, very large. I use a, a digital camera with uh, a 50 megapixel uh, digital camera, so I get huge images and uh, I get enormous detail. So. Uh, as a photographer, you have to decide when the detail is important and when it's not important, when you're going to put everything in focus, and when you're going to sort of just adjust the focus so that you can get the a viewer to change their point of view. But um, this is the cover, and the cover is of the native garden, and it presents the garden in a lush, beautiful way with, with foam flowers, which are white uh, ground cover, uh, covering most of the foreground and into the depth of uh, the uh, native garden. The native garden is a new garden. It's only about uh, two or three years old, but it is uh, lush and it's located at the border of the native forest in the garden. So uh, so native meaning these are plants that are native to totally New York City. native to the uh, Northeast uh, North America. Yes, so that you have a sense of what it's a living museum in a way, but it's also, it has paths you can walk through. Uh, there are uh, wetlands and there's a meadow where you have grasses. Uh, you can experience the Northeast here and its beauty, in a way, wild beauty. You mentioned the forest. Now, that forest here preserved as a forest, the largest tract of its kind in New York City, am I right? That's still I think it, natural? Yes. Yes, uh, it's one, actually, it's one of the largest native forests around, other than what you have in the west where you have the uh, redwoods and so forth. But this forest uh, goes back to uh, before the United States was the United States, and we have trees in that forest that are, you know, 200, 250 years old. Uh, but it's native in the sense, it's called the Thane family forest. Uh, but it's native in the sense... Uh, that it's kept, invasive species are weeded out. So when you walk in that forest, there is a canopy. You have a sense of quiet. You have a sense of peace. And you have a sense of being in a place where there's ancient light. And uh, it's transporting. And, you know, I was a very, very busy uh, working lawyer and... Uh, you come in on a Saturday morning or a Sunday morning and you walk in the forest and you can meditate, you can walk, you can think, uh, you can feel, and you can sense that there's a continuity to life. 
You can meditate outside here, but you could also meditate inside, like inside the conservatory. Yes. And here's a photograph there. The conservatory is, is, is New York's Crystal Palace. That's what the garden calls it. It's one of the great uh, glass houses. It's a Victorian style. It has enormous character. The photograph sort of shows that because it's of chrysanthemums uh, of a, a called Kiku, which is a Japanese presentation. It's one chrysanthemum, just one flower, but it creates this enormous spread. They train all these. In fact, is gardeners from the New York Botanical Garden went to Japan to learn how to do it, and the Japanese were very skeptical that we could ever learn. Uh, our gardeners came back and knew how to do it, and we've done it. And what's nice about this photograph is that the chrysanthemums line up with the, um, with the, the top of the glass house, which lines up with the dome. So it's a very artistic presentation, if I must say myself. I say so myself. Uh, I'm doing, I'm really pointing it out because people can't see it, but if you get the book, you'll be able to see the Kiku presentation. We're going to go over to the conservatory to see it for ourselves in just a couple of minutes, but why don't you point out some of your other favorite photographs in this exhibit? Okay. Well, this gives you a sense of the way I photograph, and what this does is uh, that uh, what you see is you see a light fixture, which is the classic uh, uh, lamp in the garden, and so that locates the place. But uh, and behind it is a magnolia. It's a magnolia Elizabeth, which is a yellow magnolia, and there 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 was the first of its kind, yellow magnolias. Most magnolias are either pink or white. There's saucer magnolias and star magnolias. This is Elizabeth, and uh, you can see the way the photograph has been put together. Uh, there's no depth of field here. Everything has been brought together. Uh, a lot of the objects are 40 or 50 feet apart, but using a long lens, I'm able to create a sense of an impression of the place. And so that's one of the hallmarks of my photography is that uh, I can move the objects around. Now, when I say that, it's sort of an interesting concept. But I tell people that uh, if, you're, if you're interested in photography, you can move the sun. And how do you move the sun? Well, you can have the sun in front of you, you can have it behind you, you can have it to the right of you, you can have it to the left of you. And when you move to move the sun, the objects move. So uh, as you walk around, you can change what's in the mix, what's going to be in the frame, and what's not going to be in the frame. And so, in fact, you compose your composition. That's the key to photography. It's not the camera, it's your feet. <laughs> That said, how different is it for you to photograph from season to season here at the garden? Well, uh, on any given day, the light's different. Uh, it's different in the morning. It's different in the evening. Uh, you, want, uh, you have cloudy days. You have bright days. The sun changes in the seasons, and uh, you always have a... When you are a photographer and you spend time in a garden that you know, you know the light, and... Uh, fact is, at the end of a season, you sort of are waiting for the changes because that's going to be exciting. So on the first snow, I run to the garden. <laughs> I have a four-wheel drive car to make sure I can get there and I can get in the garden and get around and I can get there before anybody has walked 
in any of the places so that I can get it in a way that's pristine. So uh, every season has its wonders, and the light is, uh, is always a joy. You can play with the light, and you can deal with the light, and it's fun. What are among your favorite flowers to photograph? There are many here. Well, on the flowers, I like the, uh, uh, the, well, in a way, it's the perennial garden, which is great because the perennial garden has what they call different rooms. They're outdoor rooms, and it's right next to the conservatory. It offers a hot room <laughs> where you have red tulips and, uh, and really a sense of real warmth. There's a cool room where you get the... Uh, the, the, the lilac colors and so forth. And there's a bog room where you have these plants that are very comfortable uh, with wet feet and they're larger and, uh, and you have a sense of exuberance. So just going in a place like that where there are all these different flowers and they change them regularly. So they're, uh, they run it from uh, the spring all the way to the fall colors all change. So if I want to go anywhere and know exactly uh, having a sense that I'm really in the season and, and it's going to be lush, that's where I go. So draw us into a couple of more of these photographs before we move over. Now here's one, clearly fall, I would think, based yes. on these colors. Yes. Uh, this is part of the maple collection. It's now called the Steinhardt Maple Collection. The maples are just out of this world. These are all shades of red here. Uh, and, and the tree uh, spreads out in a magnificent way. Uh, that tree is uh, probably over 100 and some odd years old. Wow. Uh, you have another book all about the trees yes, in yes, the garden. Yes, I love the trees in the garden. That's what got me into uh, taking the photographs with the trees. And uh, uh, we have in that book, uh, we follow about 100 trees. But I follow them, they're like, old friends, when I go to the garden on any day, I may be out to photograph the lilacs, but I'm going to be passing the trees, and I'm going to take another shot of my friend because it's changed. It's a different season. I haven't seen it that way before. When I walk in the garden, I, as familiar as it is, it's always a surprise. And it's because of the light and the fact that it's living and it's changing. Here's a shot that involves water. Uh, this is right outside the conservatory. There are two pools. Uh, these are water lilies. We have a reflection of the conservatory in the pool, and we have uh, these lilies. Uh, it's in an inner ring. These lilies spread out as much as uh, six feet with really? their leaves. Yes. And those pads there, the pads are interesting. The pads have, uh, if you walk over here and you look at it, you see this vein structure? Yes. The vein structure on the pads was the inspiration for the way uh, they originally conceived the glass houses. Is that and right? I, yes. And uh, that's mentioned in the book. Fantastic. But you can see it right here in the, in the photograph. The architecture here, yeah. beautiful in itself. Yes. Well, it's based on nature. <laughs> the, Often the natural structures are just genius. Uh, well, let's walk over to the rose garden. A photograph of the rose garden here. What I love about this photograph is the rose garden is, was laid out um, by an original plan by Beatrice Ferrand, 
who uh, was an early 20th century horticulturist and garden designer. She uh, did the Abbey Aldrich Rucker Fellow Garden in Maine, uh, really a premier garden uh, designer. And uh, the plan is, is a wonderful plan. And the, the Rose Garden is one of the great Rose Gardens in America. We have, the way I've captured it, I've captured the Kusa outside and the garden on the inside. You have sense that uh, this is so fecund with flowers just from looking at the tree and uh, your eye is drawn into uh, the rose garden and the cupola there. While your photographs are certainly great works of art, the garden itself features some great works of art, and you've captured them in your photographs. Yes. Well, what happened is the garden became, in a way, a venue uh, for having a sculpture and art. And one of the uh, ways it became a venue was when the Museum of Modern Art uh, was closing down for its renovation. It had a lot of sculpture that was outside and had to be placed somewhere. And we had Lewis Coleman, who was on the board of both MoMA and the garden, said, let's put the sculpture up at the garden. So there was a moment when we had all the sculpture at the garden. And then the garden did a Henry Moore exhibit. We had, for over a year, the Moors. And it was wonderful because you never get to see them that way in a museum. You get to see them outside. You get to see them in all seasons. You get to see them with snow on them. Uh, it, it sort of it was kind of lovely and enchanting in a way. So the sculpture becomes part of the whole presentation of the garden itself, which, uh, I mean, sculpture gardens are wonderful. So uh, the garden has continued, and there's now going to be an exhibit in the library about uh, paintings uh, of uh, impressionist paintings of gardens. So that's all part and parcel of the garden expanding its, its scope and, uh, and giving people another view of, uh, of the gardens in, 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 in a multifaceted way. Uh, that's a picture of the conservatory from the air. Uh, I had to go up in a helicopter to do that. Very cool. How was that for you? <laughs> well, I've been in helicopters before, but this was really uh, it was interesting because my wife came down uh, we left from Westchester Airport, and I, I swore to her that I was going to have a big harness and everything. Of course, I get there, and what, what, what you have is a seatbelt. <laughs> and I had to lean out to get the picture. But they said to me, it's pretty hard to fall out, but it's pretty scary. But I had a lot of fun uh, doing it. And when we flew over the conservatory, as we flew over, I said, you have to go back. Uh, I said, because I saw these reflections. Uh, in, the, in, the, in the pools. Uh, and the, uh, the pilot said, ah, we have a real photographer here. He said, I didn't see him. And so we come back, and sure, there were the reflections. I got in the right angle, and I leaned out, and I uh, took the shot. And that's, so we have that right in the front of the book. This is, uh, I think, the first time we've had a helicopter view of the garden. Is that right, the first time? I think so. Wow. What's interesting is there are... Uh, when I started doing the, uh, the trees, which I volunteered to do myself, I didn't ask anybody for permission. I just would come in and do them. After a while, uh, and I always said to myself, even if they're not very good, there'll be a record. 
And what's happened is the garden is interested in the record. So we're now keeping it as part of the archive. Because the fact is, if you do anything over a long period of time, it gets to be valuable. So before we head over to the conservatory, I want you to talk about this one photograph here because it brings to life some of the rock formations that are here in the garden. This used to be a quarry. This used to be a quarry, really? Yes. And uh, so this rock, it, it's gorgeous. Uh, and what the, what the garden did was they planted the azaleas uh, there. This is part, uh, this is contiguous to the native forest, and the azaleas run through the native forest. Now, so uh, the whole azalea area has a, over a mile of paths. This formation is just uh, incredible. You can never get anything like this in, in your garden. I mean, basically, it's a natural, enormous rock outcropping. But what's nice about it, if you look at it very, very closely, over the seasons, uh, slowly but surely, the plantings have started to grow all through the rocks. So it's going to... It's changing its character over time in the way any garden does. And that, that's, a, that's a very, it makes the rock part of a living uh, aspect of the garden itself. And the garden itself does have something called the rock garden, right? Yes, there is a rock garden. But that's a, um, it's in a different area, but it's wonderful. It has streams. Uh, it has plantings uh, that sort of cover uh, dry areas and it also covers wet areas. So it's, it gives you an enormous amount of diversity in the rock garden. It's actually one of my favorite spots because it has kind of, the, the falls itself is just wonderful. Now, the, there is a falls, a real falls, enormous falls in the garden because the Bronx River runs through. And um, the water power from that falls you, it was used by Lorillard, uh to uh, uh, power its machines. Lorillard was a the, family, right? Yes, it was the Lorillard family. They had, at the original time, it was a snuff mill. But they had, they owned 600 acres here, uh, and they kept it pristine. They felt that it was kind of beautiful, and they never really cut uh, anything back, which meant that that's part of the native forest. It's right contiguous and a part of the native forest. So that was very... Uh, very thoughtful of the family, and uh, it's now uh, uh, it's now a, an event space, uh, and it's wonderful to have weddings and and parties there because you're right on the Bronx River, and uh, the the building is just glorious. Uh, you know, it's 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 basically a masterpiece. Well, let's go over to the conservatory because I want to get a close up look at those palms, huh? Okay. So, Larry, now we have moved inside the conservatory, and it smells absolutely delightful in here. Well, it's a wonderful place. There are, as I said, this is the uh, Crystal Palace, uh, and there are 11 galleries uh, in all, uh, the centerpiece being the dome area where the palms are. And then off of the galleries, it has a C-shape, so uh, it sort of has wings and then arms to the side, uh, so your listeners can get a, a view, sense of it. And uh, in the in the sea itself are the are the pools. There's the North Pool, which has the hardy uh, uh, plants, and then 
the South Pool, which has the tropical uh, plants. And uh, there's an enormous variety of plants in, in these houses because uh, this is where you can keep things that can't grow outside, and you can present basically the world ecology uh, in, in, this, um, in these houses. And uh, they are uh, wonderful in their way. They're, we have desert plants, and we have lush tropical plants. So you have a range of, uh, of environments that can only be re reproduced in a greenhouse. The smells are wonderful. The variety is, I mean, you, you can walk through uh, continents <laughs> in an hour and have a sense of what it really is like uh, to be there and enjoy uh, the fruits of the vegetation. The, the book is available in the shop. It really is your passport to the garden in a way and, and your travel guide. And you can spend a day here. It's worth doing. Larry, thanks so much for your time. My pleasure. Thank you very much. Larry Letterman has been observing and photographing the New York Botanical Garden for more than a decade. He's also a member of the Garden's Board of Advisors. You can see his work on display in an exhibit in the Garden's Ross Gallery and in books available online and in the Garden's gift shop. That's it for this week's Cityscape. I'm George Bodarki. Thanks so much for listening. WFUV and WFUV HD New York. Listener supported public media from Fordham, the Jesuit University of New York. Music discovery starts here.